Hi, I'm Steven. And I'm Sneha. And you're listening to Spilling Spilling the the Tea tea with CCE. This podcast features fellows at Hofstra University's Center for Civic Engagement as they talk about a wide range of topics from current events to social movements, as well as issues that affect our daily lives. From healthcare to mental health, nothing is off the table. This podcast was created in spring 2020 to continue the conversations we had on campus in a virtual way. And we're so happy to have you here, Spilling the Tea with us. Even though Hofstra CCE is now back to running in-person programming, we had such a positive experience with this podcast that is now a permanent part of CCE operations. Now, let's spill the tea. Hello, and welcome back to Spilling Tea with CCE. Today's podcast will be hosted by two fellows for CCE, me, Lauren Ballinger, and me, Sarah Holmes. Today, we will be talking about the negative impacts and ethics of true crime media across various platforms and mediums. So I think we should get started kind of with the thing that got us on this topic, which is the new Jeffrey Dahmer uh, TV show. The Netflix series. How... Starring Evan Peters. Yeah. Um, It very much so had a moment on the internet. It was very popular on Netflix. It's still very much having its moment. Mm -hmm. I mean, at the time of recording this, there are a lot of Halloween costumes inspired by Jeffrey Dahmer. Lots of people are dressing up as him for Halloween, which is problematic, I think, in in, in the way that we're analyzing these things. It's idealizing it. Yeah, making people who do horrible things like icons um, in pop culture yes and not really recognizing kind of like the the pain and like the trauma and like the murder that they like inflicted on people yeah and i mean it's one thing to say well i mean like you know these things happened a while ago you know they're not really going to affect a lot of people these days this was very recent i mean jeffrey dahmer was arrested in 1991 and the uh, families of his victims and the survivors of uh, his crimes are very much still, you know, having to relive their trauma the more and more these things get glorified. So yeah, and I mean, Dahmer isn't the only focus of this podcast. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's just a a detail that we've chosen to focus on in the beginning. But um, I mean, you see this happen throughout history, uh, starting with the Ted Bundy case, because his trial was the first one to be nationally televised. Mm -hmm. So it became sensational. And that's kind of where the modern day fascination began. But I mean, now in modern day, it's evolved beyond that, mm-hmm. you know, especially with social media and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. And also, like, similar to Dahmer, Ted Bundy had kind of a, a moment on Netflix, I believe, is where yep. the movie was, <clears throat> where the platform that the movie was on. Um, he was played by Zac Efron. He was played by Zac. So, yeah, I think that's also, like, an, a fascinating kind of part of the way that these serial killers are portrayed. We have Evan Peters, who is very popular, very conventionally, conventionally attractive. attractive. Yes, oh my gosh. Zac Efron, very popular, also very conventionally attractive. And that movie, too, I was able to watch that one. I was mm-hmm. not able to finish the Dahmer show. It was, Me neither. It was horrific yeah that's also the thing i mean the the main issue that i think we should be talking about is when where the line is Mm -hmm. in you know people's right to know the details of these things and the glorification of it and where you know we enter into that territory yeah i think when we were originally talking about like all of our talking points and these talking ideas you brought up um 
a Jeffrey Dahmer thirst trap. Um, and I didn't, I didn't know if you wanted to talk about that a little bit because it's interesting as well as funny. <clears throat> I mean, yeah, it's, it's certainly disturbing. <laughs> um, so in the Netflix series that we opened talking about, um, there's an early part of the series where Dahmer decides to work out more and get ripped. And Evan Peters, a, con- a conventionally attractive man, um, is, you know, doing a workout montage and you get to see his basically glistening abs and he's very sweaty and it's, it's obviously meant to show that he is attractive and Mm -hmm. he's, it's meant to display that to the viewers and to give them that idea. And I don't think that there's an argument that you could make to say, oh no, this is like, so that people know exactly what happened in the story this is so that people you know are best informed i don't think that that served a purpose and i think well i mean this in terms of doing good for the consumer i think it served a purpose in terms of glorifying Mm -hmm. Dahmer. and um the more that people find him attractive the more that people are enthralled by what he did not for the sake of education and prevention but for the sake of almost like some sort of worship like mm-hmm. a, a fan base following the more dangerous it becomes so yeah um so yeah so we have like these professionally produced documentaries with our tv shows with resources like in a money um access to these uh very famous actors Um, But we also have kind of another side of the true crime obsession that takes place on the internet. And that's completely content. It's all content creation. For people like on YouTube, there's a lot of like... In my research, I found someone who does a mukbang, which for those who aren't familiar, um, a mukbang is like where you eat a bunch of kind of... Normally it's like similar food, like it'll all be Taco Bell or like it'll all be like... Like almost every food off the same menu. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And you like kind of just try and get through the entire meal. Um, And it's the fact that someone is eating so much food while uh, very explicitly describing these graphic murders Gory details. It, it's a very disrespectful kind of way to handle such loss yeah uh like loud chewing you know like it's just like ASMR not channels. asmr yeah. channels like it's not very um delicate and um it's not there is no way to argue that that is out of respect or um, with the intention of giving information. Right. Um, it's purely for the for entertainment purposes. And for money. Yeah. I've seen a lot of um, YouTubers who will be talking about true crime and then like halfway through the video they'll be like, this is sponsored by Audible. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and like they're making money off of this as well so it's it's insanely exploitative um um yeah yeah it's gross no absolutely i think there's something to say with looking at the history of it and the obsession that we saw in the very beginning with bundy but also the way that that continued on to shape 
modern day and modern consumption of true crime. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I mean, that alongside the other different kinds of violence that people are exposed to over the years through the media um, that don't have to do with the topic of this podcast, there is a desensitization that happens. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's less and less often that people will actually stop and think how okay is it that I'm, you know, sitting and eating my lunch and listening to how, like, some 17-year-old girl's life was taken, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, it's a constant exposure that kind of makes you numb to the concept that these are real people who experience these really heinous Mm -hmm. things. Um, So, yeah, and I mean, even before TV coverage, I mean, people were reading murder mystery in magazines and books and stuff like that, so... There's a, there's a interesting fascination with true crime, um, and people know that, and they know that they can make money off of that, um, whether it's through being one of the, actually the most watched week one for a new series, that was Jeffrey Dahmer, whether really? it's through that, oh mm-hmm, my gosh. or being sponsored, mm-hmm. um, they have an understanding that there's this general fascination um, and there there's always kind of like this section of people that will consume the media that they put out. Um, I think another thing that really connects like um, the internet's exploitation mm-hmm. of true crime and um, these produced series mm-hmm. or movies um is the f- fact that like a lot of victims are losing their voice and it's kind of in two different ways mm-hmm. one is just like the show they're telling their story and it's it's not always accurate mm-hmm. <clears throat> um it's not always sensitive to fact to the fact that like um they were people mm-hmm. um, who, experiencing truly horrific events. Yeah, and also like just like complex, like people are complex, mm-hmm. and it's a very, it's often a very one-dimensional look at a victim, and it um, kind of makes their life completely like the only point of them. their life yeah. is the fact that they were murdered by this person. What makes me, what that makes me think of is. Um, Specifically with Ted Bundy, it wasn't... I mean, he, when he was cast, uh, when Zac Efron was cast to play him in the Netflix movie, um, it was thought that, oh, women were obsessed with him because he was conventionally attractive, Mm -hmm. which isn't the case. I mean, the way that he got a lot of his victims to, uh, to not submit, but I mean, the way that he caught a lot of his victims wasn't through being attractive and charming. It was by faking a limp and asking for help and he preyed on women who were more likely to be kind to him and be empathetic Mm. and he took advantage of them for that and when we boil that down into oh they just thought he was attractive and that's why they wanted to help him it's really disrespectful to the kinds of people Mm. that they were Mm. because they're not the kinds of people who would drop anything to help a handsome guy they were someone who wanted to help someone out who clearly seemed like he couldn't do something for himself he couldn't mm. carry his groceries he needed help closing his trunk whatever and that was something that was taken advantage of and like you're saying it's not something that you know we can define a person 
on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah. There's another way. I th- I think that's really interesting, actually. I think that's one of my favorite things that's probably going to be said on this whole podcast. The concept of him being Bundy being like this suave guy sure. who like is much more He was very smooth talking. Unquote interesting. You yeah. know? It's a better story. It's a better story. Yeah. You can make more money off of it. It's more <clears throat> it's simpler, you know? It's it's easier to get your point across. Um so it works better for these different forms of media. Mhm. Um, it plays better, which is interesting. That in itself is another disrespect. I do want to say, um, a a very interesting and kind of niche way I've also seen victims losing their voice on the internet is there's kind of like this side of YouTube where people who claim to like be like psychics or mediums or like like being able to communicate with the dead you're saying yeah yeah will try and communicate with people who are very famous victims of Mm. murder and i'm not saying that the entire concept of mediums and psychics is like doesn't is not real Mm. that's not for i that's not for me to say that's not fair to post your radio that sounds like um, a victim of murder or a missing person. And it's something that can easily be taken advantage of in a mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and this happened a lot around the time when Gabby Petito went missing. Mm-hmm. There's a lot, a lot, a lot of content of <clears throat> people on the internet saying, I spoke with Gabby Petito, like, from beyond the grave. Mm-hmm. That's incredibly harmful, especially because she was still a missing person at that yep. point. And... Her name was also everywhere. Mm-hmm. Like, they knew that it would... People would be Googling. Yeah. Be interested. It would end up in places. Yeah. So they would... Their media would probably be found and consumed. Yep. Yeah. Um, so that's just, like, another way for these victims to be dehumanized. Yeah. Also, things like conspiracy theories about who killed who. I know John Bonet Ramsey... Oh, my God. ...is a really, really, really big one. Yeah. Um... I've I've heard it's the dad. I've heard it's the mom. The, the I've heard it's the brother. Yeah. I've heard it's the dad and the mom together. Yeah. I've heard it's the dad and the mom covering up for the brother. I've heard maybe it was the neighbor. Like, there's so many... Leave them alone. Yeah. And there's kind of an understandable urge to get what one would consider, like, justice by figuring out what actually happened to someone. Or even closure if you're personally invested in mm-hmm. it. Yeah. But... It's gone. It goes too far. People contact, reach out to people. They'll show up at people's houses. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Lives are changed. Yeah. Reputations and everything. Just because it's no longer people involved, it's names. And it's people doing like the red yarn. Kind yep. Of trying to figure out. Um, it's an image of a person. Yeah. Again, a very one-dimensional look mm-hmm. at probably a bunch of complex situations um so yeah i mean when you were talking about how um victims are impacted uh that also made me think of sharon tate and how i don't know if you saw it but once upon a time in hollywood Mm -hmm. was about like it was sort of like a side plot that I mean, it, the movie culminated in that. Spoiler alert! But <laughs> um, yeah, I guess spoiler alert for a lot of things. Yeah, 
But uh, it ended up with, you know, a what if sort of scenario. What if Sharon Tate hadn't been murdered by the Manson family? Mm-hmm. And it was just like this small piece that sort of tied in everything in the film where it was like, was that really necessary? That was supposed to be a big twist. But also like she was a pregnant woman who got murdered in her own home and it didn't seem like it was treated with the most respect. I mean, Mm -hmm. not necessarily for that film, but because Quentin Tarantino's movies aren't exactly known for respect, but, um, but no, I mean like the fact that it was thought of as, you know, a piece of a plot of a movie that made it more interesting. Like I think even if it's done in the most respectful way, I don't think it's a respectful thing to do to utilize victims of horrific crimes as key like characters in mm-hmm. your films. And I think plot lines can be interesting like artistically like you can write whatever you want. You have ownership over what you come up with creatively. But to use another person's story to your advantage, that movie included Sharon Tate, which is a very, like, kind of famous murder. Mm -hmm. It's using her name in some way. Her personality was cultivated throughout the film. And in the end, you were meant to have this aha moment where you were like, oh my god, I know what's going to happen. And it's like this suspense built up on your knowledge of the horrific crimes that she was subject to and so she becomes a player in a story and it's using her death as an advantage for story building and for suspense building so that the audience is gripped and wants to continue watching um so yeah but i mean you bring up an interesting point in terms of expression because I think there is a question to be asked as to whether or not true crime should be viewed as artistic expression or a form of journalism that should be upheld to a code of ethics. Personally, me, in my opinion, I think it's the second one. I think there needs to be... Because it's not like these... They're not characters. Like, when you write a story, you can play around with the characters. You can put them in different situations. You have ownership over the characters. Mm -hmm. You don't have ownership over real people that you probably you likely don't know mm-hmm. and also for something so sensitive where people are impacted for the rest of their lives or have lost their lives because of it mm-hmm. um that's not really something you can simplify like with Bundy yeah being kind of known as he was attractive mm-hmm. kind of having that status um you can't simplify it like that um and you can't make money off of it it's information so it's journalism Mm -hmm. and it needs to have a code of ethics like for example journalists are not allowed like if there's a school shooting Mm -hmm. to release any sort of thing like a, a reddit post or like a diary that could be considered a manifesto yeah because it has in the past um inspired yeah more violence yeah um so i think and i wouldn't and i wouldn't be surprised then if true crime as sort of like the the sector mm-hmm. of media didn't have that boundary because it's seen as entertainment right now yeah. and it's not seen as sharing of information or doing what what would hopefully be considered good for the general public mm-hmm. um it's seen as 
this is a movie that I'm going to enjoy. Or this is, I'm going to watch someone do a mukbang. Mm -hmm. Um, Or this is a podcast I'm going to listen to, like, when I'm driving around. Um, I wonder whether in the future that'll change. And whether people will be like, hey, this is actually kind of really messed up. I wonder if there will be something that will bring people's attention to it enough that they'll start to realize en masse that it's kind of really screwed up. I think right now, it may not happen ever. It may not happen for a really long time. But I think right now, people are like, oh, it's still kind of like interesting and quirky to be really into murderers. Mm -hmm. And anytime I hear that, I'm like, are you okay? Yeah. Um... I remember, like, there was, like, um, uh, even, like, a sector of, like, Tumblr that was, like, obsessed with, like, the Columbine shooters, and they were, like, oh, my goodness. School shooting? Yeah. Yeah. People Um, who are, like, groupies of the shooters or whatever. But I think as long as it's seen as an artistic outlet, which I don't know if that part will change, Mm -hmm. um, it probably will not develop in the way that we hope it too in in terms of ethics just because to go back to um the manifesto example Mm -hmm. that happened because they did used to publish those things Mm -hmm. um and there was a feedback loop they learned that that was not helpful right and they had to adjust right because the goal was not how do we get people hooked on this information the goal was how do we get this information out responsibly yeah um and i think the goal has to change in the way that the genre itself is perceived yeah has to change too yeah what what the goal in consuming it is has to change i think and that's bigger totally bigger thing to yeah i think in like the meantime there are things that we can do to make sure that it's created more responsibly i think for one like I understand that a lot of serial killers or people who are reported on um, in terms of the horrific crimes that they did, i.e. Dahmer and Bundy, um, did have some charming aspects to their lives. I know Bundy basically was a father to an adopted child and, like, had a, not a wife per se, but, like, Mm -hmm. a domestic partner. And, like, that really was his life for years. And Dahmer was gay and interacted with you know, gay men on the regular, who a lot of them later became his victims. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think in terms of, like, responsible um, creation and consumption, I don't want to say, like, an age restriction, because that would be a little odd. But I think something akin to, like, having some sort of review process where people are looking at these things and being like, okay, maybe that wasn't fully necessary, where, you know, we see Dahmer having a good time and having a workout montage like that before, or something like that. I mean, I did want to say something about the gay club, though, Mm. and the fact that people who have become super fans of Dahmer after this documentary, and who weren't fans of him before... I think part of it has to do with a level of immaturity and not quite understanding, but also, or maybe just not being willing to understand that what he did was truly messed up, but they will respond to your disgust with their liking him with, well, that's homophobic because he was gay. 
Oh, no. You don't like that I'm a fan of him because you're homophobic because he was a gay man. There's so many other gay people to like. (laughs) (laughs) I swear you don't have to like a serial killer to like a gay person. I don't think it should be hard to grasp that the reason that people don't like um, Jeffrey Dahmer is not because of the gay thing. It's because (laughs) of the eating people thing. (laughs) I feel like one of them is definitely bad and the other one is fine. Um, and I'm definitely saying that eating people is bad. <laughs> I'm not saying anything else. Um, yeah. But no, I, that was something that I saw as well. I don't know, like, the internet is such a messed up place. Yeah. I'm very upset about it. But um, the fact that people would make that connection be like, oh, you're upset and don't like Dahmer because he's gay. And it's like, no. no I don't like him because he killed people. Yeah. That has, <clears throat> you cannot, def- you cannot deflect horrific events with an identity i don't think that's fair and i also don't think maybe i'm speaking a little bit too big here but i don't think that it's not like he like is this big representative for the lgbtq community he never was he's not important yeah to that identity yeah so like someone doesn't come out to you and then you're like oh like jeffrey donald like That's not a thing. And, like, it's not, like, using an identity that does, like, people are homophobic, Mm -hmm. obviously. It's using that real experience to continue to enjoy things and indulge in things and consume media that is probably not the most ethical. Um, And deflecting in that way is also not the most ethical. Yeah. Um, um, while we're talking about like online and Mm -hmm. people like loving fan clubbing, fan clubbing, um, there have been like a lot of, I want to move to more like social media kind of, um, and there've been like a lot of like, I want to talk about fan edits for of sure. killers yeah um which kind of goes back to like the tumblr thing where people had entire blogs dedicated, dedicated to various murderers or people who committed crimes mm-hmm. um <clears throat> but for those who are not familiar a fan edit is normally it's like music like an emotional quote or something but it's images or videos um idealizing an individual person and it's a positive thing um so it's a glorification it's a glorification yeah um people also do fan edits like fan cams for like musical artists that they really like or actors that they really like but to do and it's one thing also to do it using the actor playing the serial killer but using the actual serial killer's image Mm -hmm. is another level of screwed up but even so using the actor playing the serial killer is also it's definitely interesting yeah and listen we're i think a lot of the time like a lot during this discussion i've called things interesting and it's been very (laughs) judgmental um but it's not I don't think the intention here is to be judgmental of people who participate in this or 
consume this media. It's not supposed to be, like, pointing fingers. And, like, you do this, and I don't. Because, like, I've watched BuzzFeed Unsolved. Like, I, I... I recognize this because I have also participated in it yeah. at some point. Um, and I don't think, I don't want it to be like, you're a bad person because you consume this media. Mm-hmm. I think it's just a jumping off point to kind of look and reflect on the type of media that you consume mm-hmm. and also how respectful and ethical it may be and and really think about things before you watch a sponsored video and contribute to someone's income or mm-hmm. um watch a show and make it the most watched week one show in Netflix's history. That's crazy. Um <clears throat> just kind of thinking about these different things, how it's made, what the story that they're telling is, um, how um the victims' families feel about the production mm-hmm. um which i think is also something that you don't get so much with buzzfeed unsolved just as a small interjection because mm-hmm. buzzfeed unsolved typically focuses on really old cases that yeah. happened in like the 1700s 1800s mm-hmm. um but i mean even so there is something to be examined there yeah like i think i definitely think there's levels to the severity of <clears throat> for lack of a better term, messed up uh, media. Mm. But I think just taking a moment to assess maybe um, um, <clears throat> what you're consuming and to analyze it. And how you feel about that. Yeah. Because um, it's one thing to be enthralled by a story and it's another thing to be like, who, like, what does this say about me that I'm enjoying this? Yeah. And... Also recognize that the people involved are not just a story that you're that you're watching, that you are listening to, that you are reading about for entertainment. That's a real story. Um, that really happened to people, um, and they had people in their lives who cared about them. Um, and these are not just characters. Um, they aren't people to make fan edits to or people to write letters to there was someone on instagram he was a serial killer he was on the run people found his instagram and started writing in their home address their home addresses in the i remember talking about this with you it's not it's not something to <laughs> that's a person who has killed people. And the fact that and it's you, real. Yeah, your self-preservation instinct is so low that you cannot recognize that and separate it from the entertainment that you're experiencing and prioritize your mm-hmm. own safety. It's not funny. I think, yeah. It <laughs> it's not funny to give a serial killer your home address. There's an issue in separating reality from fiction, especially yes. when these things are sensationalized so much and when media is pushed that usually would be covering a fictional topic and seems like it's covering a fictional topic when it's in fact something that really happened. Mm-hmm. Most of what we talked about today is about modern media, and we did talk about the history behind how we got here to a certain extent. Um, But, I mean, it's always important to focus on what you consume, regardless of whether it's true crime or not. Um, But seeing as our topic is true crime, 
uh, it's really, really important and vital for um, the sake of your media consumption habits and the sake of other people's media consumption habits because mm. you influence the people in your life and vice versa um, to focus on what you're consuming and what it says about you and whether or not you actually support what it represents and what it stands for. And that's always something that I think people forget to think about because it's so easy to just consume media mindlessly and know everybody does it. Um, but, you know, just mindful watching and mindful scrolling is always a really important practice, um, mm. especially considering heavier topics. Um, so yeah, moving forward, do your best and just stay conscious. Thank you so much for listening. If you are interested in continuing the conversation or learning more about Hofstra Center for Civic Engagement, you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Hofstra CCE or visit our website at hofstra.edu backslash CCE. The beautiful music you've heard in this episode was written and composed by Ethan Tauber. The song even features the chords C, C, and E. We hope you join us again to discuss combating more of our world's most pressing challenges. And thank you for helping us spill the tea.